How many of you, and I want you to be, first service, I'm telling you right now, we had a lot of disingenuous people. I'm just saying it right now, so I'm warning you. How many of you, do we have any uh, channel surfers here today? Raise your hands if you've ever channel surfed, be honest. All right, you guys are much better than first service, I'm just saying right now. Now, channel surfing is a relatively new thing. You know that, did you know that? Um, If you are 45 and above, probably, you will know that it's relatively new because back in the day, uh, before cable, there was, there was really just NBC, ABC, and CBS, and there really weren't that many channels to surf through anyway. Plus, we didn't have remotes generally back then. Um, so what would happen is we would pull out something called the TV Guide. You guys remember the TV Guide? Coolest thing ever. You'd get, we'd wait for the TV Guide to show up in the mail, and we'd, we would flip through to see when our favorite shows are going to be on. Uh, I don't miss the TV Guide. You want to know why? Because I am a professional channel surfer. And I would much rather channel surf through hundreds of channels than I would go flip through the, the TV Guide. Now, uh, usually I'm sitting there and I've got in my easy chair and I've got my, my, uh, my remote in one hand and bag of M&Ms or something else in the other hand, right? And I just flip. Strong thumb. It's kind of a sport, right? <laughs> got to have strong thumbs for this. But there's always one program that I, when I see it, I'm going to stop and I'm going to click on. It's, it's a kind of a genre, actually. And it's usually found on the History Channel or Discovery or Travel or something like that. And it's, it'll be entitled something like this. You know, across the message when it says what you're looking at, it'll say, The Mystery Exposed! The Lost Books of the Bible! Finally discovered, right? Have you ever seen those things? I love to click on those things just to see what's going to happen. And usually it's a, it's the, they're, they're saying this is, this is a, a truth, an ancient text that has been discovered and it's been suppressed by the church for hundreds of years because somehow the truth of, that, are, that are expounded upon in these ancient texts um, go against what the, what the Bible says or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, if you've ever watched one of these shows... Um, and wondered about it, I'm going to let you in on a little, couple of little dirty secrets about these supposed mysterious, mysterious ancient texts. First thing you need to know is these uh, writings aren't nearly as old as they'll want you to believe they are. That's an important thing to know. But they are old. In fact, they've been around for a very long time, and what they do is, for whatever reason, they cycle through. And they always come back in our culture as something new, a new discovery, right? That's going to blow you, blow your mind. That's going to, that's going to cause you to rethink everything that you believed. Well, this morning, um, as we continue, by the way, for those of you who are guests or visitors, or maybe those of you who listen online, we uh, here at Pray Bible, um, this year, 2022, we are taking almost the entire year to go through the New Testament books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And today, as we continue on that journey, we're going to take a look at a passage that um, in some ways might be kind of like the birthplace, if you will, of all that kind of craziness that I was just telling you about, about these TV programs, about these thoughts that people have about things that have been um, hidden or suddenly exposed or whatever. I'm going to show you the birthplace or the potential birthplace of these things. Um, and then show you the truth of it 
as well. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you do not have your Bible, you are in good luck because we've got all kinds of Bibles here. Grab one of the church Bibles. If, uh, and that's going to be found, our passage today is on 1,132, I believe. As you're looking that up, um, let me take a minute to, to uh, set up our passage for today, give you a little bit of an idea of where we left off last week. Last week, if you were with us, you may remember that I shared with you that the, the, the people of Corinth, and these letters are written to the people of Corinth, that's why they're called letters to the Corinthians, obviously. The, the people of Corinth experienced um, Christianity kind of in a counterintuitive, it seemed counterintuitive to them. There was so much about Christianity that just was opposite to their worldview. For example, Christianity proclaimed to be very inclusive. They believed that, they believed that, we believe that, that the God of the universe, the God who created everything, is, wants to be in relationship with everyone, and that it's possible to be in relationship with the God of the universe. That's very cool. But the, the Corinthians, that seemed very, that was a different worldview for them. It seemed like that doesn't make sense. Why would the creator of everything and everyone want to be in relationship with the average person? They thought that the creator of the universe would be a little more exclusive in who he wanted to be in relationship with, right? Now, and of course, they believed that, that since God only wanted to have relationship with special people, they believed that they were some of those special people. You may not be, John, but they are, right? Well, John, you are special, but in a different way. Now, I get that. I get the desire to want to feel special. Everybody wants to feel special. Even those of us that have kind of come to grips with the idea that we're not, that we're just average, normal, everyday folks, we still want, desire, yearn to feel special. And it's that yearning that gives birth to good things, like, like we, we create honor rolls, right, for students that have excelled in in their academics, or we have, that's why we have most valuable player awards and things like that. Those are good things because we like to feel special. But that same yearning to, to feel special can also give birth or be played out in negative or bad ways too, right? How about cliques at school? Well, I'm part of this clique, so that makes me more special than you. Or something like racism. Racism is, is given birth from that feeling that I need to feel special because you're not. You're not one of me. I'm separate from you. And another example of it is what we're talking about today. The, the belief, the heresy that I'm more special to God than you. Now, I want that thought. I want you to think about that for just a moment. That heresy that says I'm more special to God than you are. We know that the Apostle Paul is the author of 1 and 2 Corinthians, right? Actually, the Apostle Paul is the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, my question is, do you think the Apostle Paul believed that um, some people are more special to God than others? What do you think? Yes or no? Just say, yell it out. Yes or no? The truth of the matter is, the Apostle Paul at one point in his life did believe that. 
that some people were more special to God than others. And what happened to him? Jesus happened to him. He was on the road to Damascus one day, and he was, he was basically on the, on the way to, to making sure that everybody in the world believed the way that he did. And he had an encounter, a personal encounter, with Jesus himself. And from that moment on, his life and his attitude, his worldview was transformed. And instead of preaching that, that the God that he loved was exclusive and was only available to certain people, he, he, he gave his life to proclaiming that the creator of the universe believes all of you folks are special and that he wants to have relationship with everyone. When he looks at you, there's nothing in his, in his DNA that makes him more happy but you. That's what he gave himself. And the way to, to encounter, to, to make that, that God of the universe and the relationship with that God of the universe real is Jesus, is to encounter Jesus, is to invite Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. That was what Paul gave him. That's what, if you read the New Testament, that's the message of the gospel, that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with you because he loves you. And the only way to do that is by by accepting Jesus. But here's the problem. The passage that we're going to look at today that Paul wrote to a lot of people, confused that message. Look at it. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 13. You see it? It's up there. You got it in your Bibles. So here, I'm gonna, I want you to read it, but let me just kind of make, give you an overview. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, he says this. This is important. This lays a foundation. He says that this message of the gospel that he's preaching, this, the wisdom, the knowledge that he's sharing with the Corinthians and with you, He says this this knowledge has come to him directly from God. That that God spoke this, this message of truth to him directly from God. And then he says this in verse 14. He says, and the natural person doesn't understand it. This wisdom of God. Because this knowledge, this wisdom of God is only spiritually discerned. Now, if you were with us last week, you'll know that that is a, that is a thread or a, a theme that is carried over from chapter 1, that, that um, some people will not discern the truth of God's message because it's only spiritually discerned. And it's in that where the confusion was given birth. Because people, sometimes they will read this passage, people back then and some people today, by the way, will read this passage and they'll say that um, if you don't get it, then you're not special. That's what he's saying, right? If you don't get the message of the gospel, then you're not special. If you don't get this message that I received from God himself and you don't get it, then you're not special. And the fact that you don't get it just proves that you're not special. You see, it's kind of one of those circular arguments. Now, I want to go back to something we talked about earlier for you to more fully understand what's going on here. Remember earlier when I was telling you about these programs that are on the History Channel, about these ancient texts that have supposedly been um, unearthed and suppressed by the church? Well, these, these ancient 
these supposedly ancient writings um, are called Gnosticism. Some people call them Gnostic Gospels. One of the ones you may have heard of is the Gospel of Thomas. And the truth of the matter is, these Gnostic Gospels were um, written hundreds of years after the time of Christ, which is one of the reasons why they're not in the Bible, by the way. But the question is, what, why are they called Gnostic Gospels? Well, the word Gnostic means knowledge. And the people who wrote these, remember they're hundreds of years after the time of Christ, the t- people who wrote these, these Gnostic uh, Gospels or this Gnostic literature um, believed that God had revealed these truths about Jesus most of the time. He had revealed these truths about Jesus to them secretly, that he got this, this knowledge secretly. And um, that's why it could happen hundreds of years later. I could, God could reveal these truths about Jesus hundreds of years later because God can do anything. And um, you've got to believe it because God gave it to me. Now, you see how dangerous that can be? I mean, the truth of the matter, if somebody claims that tr- that, they can claim anything. Literally, right? Because there's, there's no way to prove it. It was only given to me. There's nobody else to give testimony to it. There's no way to prove it. One of the reasons why we have the Bible the way that we have it today is that one of the, one of the things that had to be truth for a writing to be added to the New Testament, it had to be uh, written by or um, presented by someone who had either, either known Jesus or they had known of somebody who knew Jesus. So there had, to be, there had to be testimony, living testimony of people who had experienced the living Christ themselves. That's, that was one of the litmus tests for something to go in the Bible. But these, these Gnostic writers would say, no, I, I know these truths, even though I lived hundreds of years later, because God revealed them to me personally, because I'm special. I want you to stop for just one second, and if you're tracking with me, you should be asking yourself a question. How is what these Gnostic gospel writers, which we all agree is kind of a dangerous way to think, how is what they were saying different from what Paul was saying? Because didn't Paul say the same thing? Didn't Paul say that I have received this knowledge directly from God? Didn't he say that? Look. And didn't he say that, that not everyone is going to be able to discern it? So doesn't that mean that, that it's kind of a secret? Isn't that what he's saying? Listen to me now. That's not what he's saying. And I'll explain to you why. When, when Paul proclaims that he's received a message from God, one of the things he makes sure everybody understands is that The message that he has is available to everyone. Anyone can understand this. Even a child can understand the message of God. But in order for you to understand the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of the wisdom of God, you must first lay a foundation, a firm foundation. And what is that Christian firm foundation? To accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot fully comprehend the wisdom of God. It's as simple as that. 
You can be the smartest person in the world, and if you haven't laid the firm foundation of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you cannot and you will not understand the fullness of God. If you skip ahead into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says it again in verse 16. He says, when, when someone is in Christ Jesus, it's like the veil is removed from their eyes. And only then do they comprehend the fullness of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. So, I say this pretty regularly, and I'm going to say it again, because it's, um, this, is, this is a transition from preaching to let's get real. I ask you today, maybe you're here today, I don't know, maybe you're at this place in your mind today. Have you ever had an instance when what you perceive to be the truth is different than what God proclaims to be the truth? Have you ever had times like that happen in your life? You see, our temptation as human beings when we have those times when, when what we perceive to be tr the truth seems to be different than what God proclaims to be the truth, our tendency is because we're special, right? Right? to believe that it must be God that's wrong and not us. It must be the Bible that's wrong, not me, because I'm special. Listen to me. If you've ever had a moment in your life where your perception of the truth is different from what God perceives as the truth, don't think you're special. Stop. And ask yourself the question, Have I? am I living in to that conscious and deliberate choice to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Have I done that? Because if you haven't, and I'm telling you right now, I'm glad you're in church today. It's a good thing you're in church today, but coming to church today isn't good enough. I'm telling you right now, you can be a great Bible scholar like John. I'm sorry, I keep picking on you today, brother. That's, I'm not, that's not a picking on I mean, you really are a Bible scholar. But that's not enough either, is it, John? No! You first to, must lay that firm foundation. You must accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Only then will the fullness of God's glory be revealed to you. If you've never done that, maybe today is the day you should. And I'm going I'm to promise you that if you have the courage to lay that firm foundation, if you have the courage to accept Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, I promise you, what you will discover is that a whole new world will open up and you'll begin to see things that you were never able to see before. Why? Because as Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, it will be like the scales. Those who are in Christ Jesus, the scales will fall from their eyes and you'll be able to see the fullness of the very glory of God. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day you should. And if you would like your pastor to pray that prayer with you, it would be my privilege. You don't have to, but if you would like to do that, right, that open door right over there is um, our prayer room. And every week after the message, Billy or I um, go over there to pray with folks, whether to accept Christ as Lord and Savior or to pray for anything else that you may have going on in your life that you'd like someone to, to stand with you and pray with you about. If you need me, I'll be right over there. There's been a rumor going around about the second service, and I don't know if any of you have heard about it. Uh, you guys are way more fun.
than the first. Um, so we're going to play that song that we did at the introdu introduction today. Um, just you guys do what you do best. Prove me right that you guys are the more fun group. So stand with us and sing. I was walking the wayside, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the high life, trying to satisfy my soul. All the lies I believed in left me crying like the rain. Then I saw lightning from heaven. And I've never been the same I'm gonna climb a mountain I'm gonna shout about it I am a child to love I found a friend of Jesus I found a friend of Jesus I am a child to love Felt the sting of the fire, but I saw you in the flames. Just when I thought it was over, you broke me out of the grave. I'm gonna climb a mountain, I'm gonna shout about it. I am a child of love. I found a world of freedom. I found a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. I'm a mountain, I'm gonna shout and party. I am a child of love. I found a world of freedom, I found a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. Sing out! I'm gonna climb a mountain, I'm gonna shout and party. I am a child of love. I found a world of freedom. I found a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I was thinking during Pastor Craig's message that the Bible says in the last days, many will always be learning, 
but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. And we're living in that time right now where there is a lot of information out there, but many people are starving for truth. And one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And what a blessing it is that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of Truth who guides you into all the truth. And may we remember that as we go out this week and as we open our Bibles and as we continue to be testimonies to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reminder this morning of what a gift the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is to us that leads us into all the truth, into spiritual truth. We thank you for for Christ's sacrifice that has granted us that. I pray that as we go out this week, Lord, would you continue to give us opportunities to be bright and burning lights of a testimony to Jesus Christ to those around us. I pray for those with burdens in our congregation this morning, Lord, that you would lift those burdens as they go out of here. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. You are loved.